dive into this tonight. So, Lord, we thank you so much for the word of the Lord. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here. Thank you for this powerful time of communion tonight. What a breakthrough you could feel. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all that you've done. As we come to you in Jesus' name and through his blood, Lord, we bless you and we praise you. You alone are worthy of all the glory and the honor. We ask you that the heavens will be really open, that your glory will be here, but that your precious Holy Spirit to really move upon every single person that's going to be hearing this. There's people that will hear this live. There's people that will hear this maybe driving down the road or whatever. But, Lord, I ask you by the Holy Spirit to move upon all of us and give us good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives tonight, Lord. I ask you that the Spirit of God would move upon our minds, that we'd be able to understand things maybe we couldn't have before, that by your Spirit, Lord, that you would touch our eyes and ears, that we can see and hear what we couldn't before, that your Holy Spirit move upon our hearts, that we will be such good fertile soil for the Word of God. Lord, I ask you to speak through me, your words as living seeds of truth sown out into good soil, Lord, that will land in good soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, let your word go out in power. Lord, there'll be the washing of the water of the word. Lord, there'll be a light shining to dispel all the darkness and lies of the enemy. There'll be a sword that penetrates, a hammer that breaks down every stronghold. Let this go out and accomplish. Lord, I ask you that the Holy Spirit, Lord, will blow this out like seeds among the nations of the earth through the internet or whatever, that the Holy Spirit will blow this out among the nations. It will get everywhere it's supposed to and accomplish everything it's supposed to do. For we stand on the promise that your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So, Lord, we thank you. And the birds of the air try to steal the seed, so we all agree together. We submit this word unto you, Lord, and we resist the devil. We bind up anything right now that would try to hinder this word from getting where it's supposed to and doing what it's supposed to. We bind you in Jesus' name. We command you to back off right now. Lord, let your angels just clear that out. And Lord, let this go forth with clarity. Lord, help us to learn and help us to retain it and apply it. And this will be effective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I don't know if you guys ever thought about this before, but as I just kind of dive in this tonight, I'm going to cover a few different things. But have you ever thought about this, that the world that we live in tends to be negative? For example, if the, word, if the world right now, if we were somehow to push pause on tonight, where everybody just froze, and we stopped everything, and I left here and I came back in 100 years, Nothing had been touched, nothing had been moved. Have you ever thought about the fact that I would come back to a bunch of skeletons, corpses, cobwebs, rats, roaches? You see what I'm saying? Everything has a tendency under this curse that the world's under because of Adam's sin. Everything has a tendency, if it's not tended to, to go down a negative path. You see what I'm saying? And so... We have to make up our mind to understand this. As Christians in Christ, we're always going to have to keep walking toward. It's like going against the flow of this world system. The world is very negative, but the Lord wants us to keep going from glory to glory to glory. Victory, victory, victory. But for us to do that, we've got to understand that the tendency is for things to go a negative path. Have you ever noticed that if we're not careful, the tendency is that things that we've been doing for the Lord will begin to wane if we don't watch it. 
disciplines will begin to wane. The busyness of life. If we're not careful, we will begin to drift further from the Lord. The tendency is that direction. But the Lord wants us to keep getting closer to Him. I want in 2020 to be closer to the Lord this year than I was in 2019. I want the Lord to teach me things I didn't know this year. I want to go from glory to glory. I want my prayer life to be more powerful in 2020 than it was last year. I want to learn things out of the Word I didn't know. You see what I'm saying? I want to go deeper in Christ, but the tendency in this world is, is to do the opposite. So we've got to make up our minds that we're going to pursue Him with all of our hearts. That's why the Bible talks about we must die to our flesh. That's why the Bible says we must live separate from the world. If we're not careful, things that we allow in our lives can begin to cause us to wane and begin to cause us to slow down spiritually. It can defile us. It can pull us down. There's ungodly entertainment all around. There's all kinds of worldliness. And if we're not careful, we can allow things to begin to creep in. And it will be like you're trying to run, but you're in thick mud. And it's hard to get your legs up and move forward. You're being bogged down by things around you. If we were to be honest tonight, and I think that we really need to be honest with the Lord and honest with ourselves... I'm really big on that. You know, if there's something in my life God wants to teach me, He wants to change, I just want Him to do it. I'm not one of those that fusses and argues and tries to make a bunch of excuses and all that stuff. If there's something the Lord needs to change, I just want Him just to do it. If there's something off, I want Him to show me. And that I think that we need to be that way. Things will be quicker that way and easier in life than God having to teach us everything the difficult way, right? And so... Have, how's our prayer lives? Has there been a time in the past that our prayer lives were more powerful and effective and we were closer to the Lord than right now? We need to be honest with ourselves. Is that the case? Have we drifted? How's our time in the Word? It, was there a time that we were closer to God's Word and studying it than we are now? How's the disciplines in our lives? You know, for example, we just came off this 14 days of prayer and fasting as a church, but how's the disciplines in our personal lives things like fasting or whatever it is that that god has put on our hearts to do as a lifestyle the disciplines how are things like our activity where we've been out witnessing and we've been serving and we've been doing things for the kingdom how are those things now let's take inventory now and look at these things have we waned has the busyness of life caused us to kind of backslide have we drifted? This is the time to not allow those things, but to recognize it and say, Lord, forgive me for doing it. Now I want to press into you. I want to put anything behind me that needs to be put behind me, and I'm going to shake off whatever needs to be shaken off, and I want to go deeper in the Lord. That's during these times of prayer and fasting. For those that listen to this, they're not part of River of Life. Twice a year, I feel here before the Passover time, and then at the end of the summer, before the fall feast time, I always feel them. That we take uh, maybe a couple weeks or so to pray and fast as a church. And during this time, we need to examine ourselves. Is there anybody we need to forgive? Is there any sin we need to repent of? What is going on in our lives spiritually? Take inventory. Make sure that we deal with things. Go through your home with fresh eyes. 
Is there anything in your home that is crept in that doesn't need to be there? That all of that be cleared out. And as we just kind of really deal with things in our lives, it sets us up to be able to go deeper. And then at the end of the fast, we come together and we take communion together in a special way that we really bring our lives under the blood. Then my wife and I anoint people on the altar. We anoint people with oil. We pray over you. We believe for God to consecrate you, but empower you to overcome. Of course, we have water immersion available. Most people come out for it, but it's been a powerful time. As a matter of fact, in the water, I've had many people tell me they feel the presence of God so strong during that time as well. Uh, we've had people, we had to help them back up because they couldn't, they just kind of were out under the power and um, healings and, and deliverances have happened. You know what's happening? I believe that God is calling us back to these disciplines, prayer and fasting and all this I'm talking about, that he's purifying a bride. See, I believe the coming of the Lord is near. And what's interesting is, is as I look at what the Holy Spirit is doing, it's interesting to me that he has been moving so powerfully in North Georgia, in Dawsonville, through baptisms. Isn't that awesome? And I've seen this many times before. Like, for example, at Brownsville, I was a, you know, that was a big, huge movement in my life personally. But I remember those powerful baptisms. I remember people being delivered of things, and they had to carry people out of the water. They were hit by the power of God. That was very frequent. And I've seen that in other places at other times. And, but you know what? God is drawing us back to his word, the power of of the blood the emphasis on the communion table that we're coming back under the blood of jesus as a body that the waters of immersion the power of that to separate us from things and really be deeply consecrated the power of being anointed with oil but even what what does it even represent the anointing with oil that we're baptized in the holy ghost and fire that we're clothed with power so the lord is bringing us back to the biblical Christianity and what God is doing through that as I just said is I believe he's using these means to purify us and get us ready to meet him in the air and so let me say something too because we're dealing with this virus and people that hear this sermon maybe years from now listen to this this is during the 2020 corona scare which I promise you that we will survive so in a few years should the Lord Terry you'll be hearing this okay we will make it but anyway, during this time, people, people get full of fear. And so one of the things that we need to understand, this is extremely important, what I'm about to say. I can't dwell on it because I'll get bogged down and it'll take the rest of the sermon. I've got to move on. But let me say this. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word, okay? So what we have to do, this is another discipline. I do this when I take communion, but we have to meditate on the word. We have to. And let me tell you something, There's, we cannot ride other people's spirituality, other people's prayer lives, and other people's faith. It's only going to go so far. We're going to have to get faith within our own selves. It's a personal thing. And see, I can preach on something, and people can say, I agree with that. But what you're agreeing is you're, you're mentally agreeing. Mental is not faith. It's just simply acknowledging the truth. Faith comes out of your spirit, out of your heart, the biblical heart, which is your inner man. So this is very important what I'm saying. If you'll meditate on the word and speak it out and you keep meditating on it, keep speaking it, keep meditating, speaking it day after day after day after day after day, over time, 
it will not just be in your head. It's going to sink down into your spirit. And when you get that word in your spirit, that's where true faith is. Because circumstances may be going all over the place. Your emotions may be sometimes all over the place. You know, all these different voices that people are telling you different things mentally, your mind be, may be all over the place. But man, your heart, your inner spirit will be like an anchor in the word of God. That regardless of life's storms, regardless of all these different people telling me different things, my emotions are all over the place. I know in whom I believe and I know what his word says. That's faith in your spirit. But it has to get there. And so what I do is when I take communion daily, I meditate on what Jesus did on the cross and I meditate on the word and I speak it out loud to my i'm saying it out loud but i'm meditating on it. i'm saying lord i thank you that you were pierced for my transgressions bruised for my iniquity lord that you have made us the righteousness of god in christ jesus lord and i just keep going through these scriptures about being righteous and i go through scriptures about healing then i go through scriptures about deliverance and i think about galatians three thirteen, how he redeemed us from the curses of our law and the blessings given to abraham and i think about those blessings exaltation and promotion health Long life, reproductiveness, fruitfulness, prosperity, favor, victory. And as I'm meditating on these things every day, it gets down in your spirit. And as it's in your spirit, listen to what the Bible says. These scriptures will make more sense now. It says in Romans 10, 9, I want you to think about this common scripture now in light of what I just said. He said that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and what believe in your heart, not believe in your mind. It's got to get down into the heart. That God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. Look at this. But the word saved in the Bible almost always is the word sozo. And you have to understand, let me say this real quick, a very quick rabbit trail. In Hebrew, the name Jesus is Yeshua, and it comes from the Hebrew word Yasha, which means save. You know what save means in that Hebrew word, Yasha? It means to save, heal, deliver, protect, preserve, prosper, make to do well. Everything that we need was paid for in him on the cross. You see what I'm saying? Oh, same thing now in Greek. The Greek word, sozo, same thing. Save, heal, deliver, protect, preserve, prosper, make to do well, make whole. All of it was wrapped up in him. God didn't give a whole bunch of different provisions for the human race he did all of it at one time on him everything you need once everything fully completely paid for in one package deal at the cross so we have to learn that whatever we're going through we put it back off of us and it's on the cross and so that the promises and blessings of god can come forth but with the heart, the Bible says in Romans 10, 10, with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. So it is with heart faith that we believe, and out of heart faith, we speak. That's when mountains move. Mark eleven twenty. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered that Jesus had previously cursed. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to him, Have faith in God, I tell you, whoever what says to the mountain be taken up, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. 
but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, these things which you pray, believe you have received them, and they'll be granted to you. You have to believe. See, faith is a title deed. I'm trying to use this example. Faith, faith is like this. You have an empty hand. You need something from the Lord. You need something. Maybe you need provision in your life or healing or whatever it is, and you know what the Bible says, and when you really pray and believe that you have received it, faith is like a title deed that lays there. You don't have it yet, but faith is the deed to it. And so you stay in faith, and you keep saying, Lord, I may not see it or feel it right now, but I thank you that you are moving. Things are happening. I believe, I'm staying in faith, and I thank you, and you quote scriptures about it, if it's provision, that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I may not have it in my hand yet, but I know that you are faithful to take care of us and meet our needs, and you stay in faith. You have faith in your heart. You keep speaking faith, and pretty soon, faith will be replaced with what you need. And then you're going to hold up the provision, and you'll have a testimony about what God did in your life. So faith is vitally important. And I'm saying that because of the things going on in this world. But I'm going to tell you, in love as a pastor, there's no shortcuts. It's only going to come by us disciplining ourselves to meditate on the word. I do it when I take communion daily, which I found to be very powerful. Because I'm quoting scriptures. I'm meditating on the promises of God. My covenant meal that the Lord paid for this at Calvary. It's a powerful time. And what does the Bible say in Psalm 1-2? Delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, meditate day and night. There's a meditating. And then Psalm 119-11. Your word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. There's a hiding of the word in your heart. So there's a meditating. And there's a heart issue. And I'm telling you, once it gets in your spirit, the devil knows that he's in trouble because once you have the word, I'll give you a quick example. There was a, a story that Kenneth Hagin told about this precious elderly woman and she had really gotten very ill or whatever. He went there to pray for her, but he was so surprised because she was, she was there in almost like a comatose state. And as he was praying for her, he said, all of a sudden, he says she just began, scriptures just began to roll out of her. And he said, you know what? She had hidden that word in her heart all these years, and it was down in there. <laughs> just started coming out. So scriptures have got to get in our spirit, not just intellectually agree. I believe that's why a lot of times people don't see breakthroughs because they're just mentally agreeing with a truth. You've got to get heart faith, okay? All right. And then I want to close out by talking about water immersion. You know, last week I talked about the power of the blood, the power of the communion table. It is extremely powerful. Many people are healed during communion or set free from things because of the power of the blood of Jesus. Even tonight, yet again, another testimony of healing coming during communion. So healing, but also we're going to anoint with oil. That is awesome, powerful as well. Uh, Jesus sent out disciples. And some of them took oil with them, anointing people and praying over them. And the Bible says they were healed and delivered from demonic spirits. So the anointing with oil is awesome. And then water immersion. So you see there's from the Old into the New Testament. John, 1 John says these three testify, these three are in agreement. What is it? The blood, the water, and the spirit, the anointing. 
And so you see that in the Old Testament pattern, the priests were consecrated. The blood had to be applied. They had to have the blood applied to their right earlobe, their right thumb, their right toes, the ram of ordination. But they were consecrated through the blood. Then the Bible says that Moses had to pour oil over them and anoint them. So they had to be anointed. And they also, before that, they had to be water immersed. So it was three distinct things that consecrated them for priestly service. Now, in the New Testament, once we're on the other side of the cross, who are the priests unto God? We are. All of us are priests unto God. And so I believe now we have the fullness of everything that, that was, this was prophesying, so to speak. This was foreshadowing. It was looking to the one who was to come. And all those animal sacrifices, what was that pointing to? The blood of Jesus. So now we have the reality when we take communion and we come under the blood, we're not coming under like the blood of just an animal or something. We're coming under the blood of Jesus. How much more powerful is what we're doing today on the other side of the cross even than what they did and what they were doing was powerful. So also, I would say the anointing with oil. See, what, what was understood under Old Covenant, think about the power that Elijah walked in. Elijah saw someone raised from the dead and then think about as he passed on the mantle to elisha who saw a double portion i mean if what they saw under the law the anointing that was on priests that was on prophets if that anointing was that awesome how much more so is the anointing awesome and powerful today on the other side of the cross and so as we anoint with oil tonight and pray over you we see many many people down through the years baptizing the holy spirit the anointing with oil consecrates it there's an empowerment of the holy spirit there's healing you know the bible says that if you anoint with oil the prayer of faith will bring healing but i want to focus in as i close out on water immersion unfortunately like a lot of things i believe that the devil did a really good job of stealing a lot of revelation from the church this started about 300 years after pentecost when Roman Catholicism came to power, began to move everything away from the Hebrew roots. Because under the Hebrew culture, water immersion was extremely common and very understood. So this is not something that is some mystery in the Word of God. This is everywhere in the Scriptures. But I'm going to show you some things for us from a New Testament perspective because of the power of what we're doing. My wife will tell you, we, we've been in there water immersing people and whether it's somebody's first time or however many times they've done it, you can feel the glory fire of the Lord in that water. And as we immerse people, there's such a power in that. And let me show you where it comes from. Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. How many want to go into the deep places of the glory? I mean, really move into the glory of the Lord, His thick presence, okay? He said, we can come there but he said it's by the blood of Jesus. It's very important that we put the emphasis on the blood. It's not your works that's going to get you in there. It's not how high you jump and praise, how loud you shout. That's not going to do it. It's not your religious activity. I go to church every time. Okay, but that's not going to get you in the Holy of Holies. All your religious works, all of that, it's good and has its place. But what's going to get you in the glory is the blood. And so that's very humbling because we all realize it's not based on any of our righteousness or works. It's just the blood of Jesus. And when you make much of the blood and you reverence the blood and we take communion and come under the blood, 
and we we come that way through the blood that's why the glory has been so thick in river of life because of the blood but look at this by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh so jesus paid the way that's why the veil ripped when he died see there was a time when only one man once a year could come into the glory now through a new and living way a new covenant we have a way to come into the most holy place into the glory and it says the bible says we have a high priest over the house of god it says therefore in 1022 let us draw near with a sincere heart full of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience the sprinkling is the blood and our bodies washed with pure water there's there's something to this See, when people come out, we say we have water immersion available for whoever wants to come. When people humble themselves and say, you know what, Pastor? I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to go through this time for a couple weeks of prayer and fasting. I'm going to do some soul searching. I'm going to humble myself and come to church, and we're, when we take communion, I'm going to make sure things are right. I'm going to come under the blood. I'm going to humble myself to be anointed with oil. I need a fresh anointing, and I'm going to humble myself to come out and be water immersed and really deeply consecrated unto God. You know what that says to God? That just bring them on into my glory. They're humbling themselves. They're purifying their lives. They're consecrating themselves unto me. And that reminds me of the scripture says, a bride that's made herself ready. There's something about these five things that God showed me in Isaiah 58, Second uh, Chronicles 7:14, Joel 2. If we will humble ourselves if we will pray, if we will fast, if we'll consecrate our lives, and also giving, if we'll do those five things, that it's going to be a, a recipe for great revival. And then 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, Paul said to the Corinthians, understand that he's talking to a Gentile church, and the Corinthian church was a troubled church. These were people that came out of a lot of sin, and they had a lot of issues. All right, so Paul's telling them, brothers, listen, I don't want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. All of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. All of them ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. They were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased and they lay low in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. And he gave examples of them grumbling and getting into sexual immorality and idolatry. And he's given examples. He said, don't fall into these things. But look at this. It was a picture and type of what we have the reality of. You understand, Israel had like a foreshadowing. And like Paul said in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 3, 3, I can't remember exactly. He said, if the law came with glory, how much more do we have a glory now in the new covenant? Think about it. So he says here that they all were under the cloud and passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses. Look at this, in the cloud and in the sea. The cloud is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The sea is water immersion. They all ate the same spiritual food, that manna. That's what we have in the communion table. Jesus said, I am the manna that's come down from heaven. If you eat of my flesh and drink my blood. He was referring to the communion table. They all drank from the same spiritual drink. Remember last week's sermon. We've all been given the Holy Spirit to drink of. So they had a picture and type of what we now have the reality of. The fullness of. 
If water immersion was that powerful under the law of Moses, how much more powerful is it today? And I'm going to tell you some quick stories about water immersion. So in the North Georgia revival, that's just the way God has been moving specifically through the baptisms. And there's like a, the pastor there saw like a, a flame on the water. And it's interesting because even in Genesis, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. It's interesting. And there was one young lady. I remember when I met with the pastor, Todd, actually, we were talking and he was just really excited about things that were going on. He said, let me show you something. And he has his cell phone. He's flipping through his pictures, you know. He says, look at this. And it was a, some kind of like a CAT scan or MRI or something. And this, there was little black dots everywhere. And he said, this lady was full of tumors. And he said, that was the before she got baptized. And he said, look at this. After she got baptized, flipped it. And every one of them were gone. There was nothing there. It was totally, completely healed. There was a young lady that she had been you know in bondage to some kind of a spirit of death or something but she had cut herself she had cut her arms up she had cut her thighs up and when she came to the baptismal she was baptized I, I may not get this story exactly right but it was three or four times that she went up and up again she's probably done it several times since then but the first time she went that you know Bertal was telling me this he said it was like God did a deep inner work of like inner healing and deliverance and then she went again and she was baptized again at a later date again it was more healing and deliverance in her and, but he said that about the third time she got water immersed she was back there getting dressed and she started screaming and crying and somebody went back to check on her all of those scars completely disappeared off her body completely they were totally gone I mean so it wasn't just a miracle of her being delivered from the spirit of whatever that was the spirit of death I'm assuming she was delivered from some demonic thing that was making her do that, probably like a spirit of suicide. And then she was, she was inner, inner healing from the depression and the hurt on the inside. But the Lord went so far as to heal all those scars. Isn't that beautiful? Many other testimonies like that. And I remember uh, my friend, Brother Basil, you guys remember Rodney Howard Brown's brother came and ministered. For, how many were here during that time? A handful of people. And he was telling me that they, um, I think this was when he was pastoring in Alaska. I, I may be wrong, but he was saying that they had um, a baptism one night. And anybody that wanted to get baptized, just come on, we're going to baptize everybody that wants to get baptized. And they had put a big tub in the middle filled up with water, and they had had like, you know, those plastic tarps where people go in and walk out. And he said that he would stand there, they'd come in, and he'd pray over them, and they'd get hit by the power of God and fall out in the water. And they had catchers in there. And so, again, they're baptized in the cloud and the sea, you see, the Holy Spirit and the water. And he said that God was really moving powerfully. Everybody was getting touched. But there was this guy there that he had had a heart condition in his heart. He had heart attacks, etc. and his heart condition was so bad that the circulation in his body was so bad that his legs were actually turning like a black color. And so he was at a place where he was very sick, and he was there, and he walked up real slow into the baptismal, and he got prayer. Brother Basil praying, he gets hit by the power of God. Out in the water he goes, and they bring him up. He gets out all slow and everything. He's walking back to his seat, sits down. He notices he starts feeling different. And as he's sitting there, he knows he started getting more energy and feeling better. Pretty soon, he's noticing that something's up. And so he starts looking, looking at his legs, etc. His legs 
stop being that black color and start getting normal color in him. Make a long story short, he was totally healed. And I remember there's different stories like this. I could tell a lot, but there was a, there was a friend of mine that was telling me that they had had a baptismal service and a lot of people were getting water immersed and there was some people that were, were uh, this was their first time. So they were in a lot of sin. And he said it, it kind of freaked him out because he was a young guy in church. And he was watching this. At this particular church, the baptismal was up there behind the platform where everybody could see and you could see the water. You know what I'm talking about in the glass. And he's sitting there watching and he said that, man, he says, God is my witness. He's telling me his story. He said, I'm telling you, when those, those guys got baptized, he said, I saw like some kind of a green haze in that water. He said something. He said, I knew that something evil was leaving those people's lives. He said, I saw it in that water as it came out of their life. So there is a power, and I want you to think about something. When Israel was baptized into Moses, it's a picture and type of everything that we now have the reality of in Christ. They came out through the Passover lamb. They came out by the blood of the lamb, just like we do. Pharaoh is a picture and type of the devil. Egypt, a picture and type of the world. They were saved by the blood of the lamb. They came out by the blood of the lamb. And they went through a water immersion into Moses. They were water baptized in the cloud and the sea. And that's, I want you to think about this for a moment, the power of baptism. As they went through the Red Sea, they got on the other side, the water closed behind them, and what happened? It separated them from their past. There's something about water immersion that helps to separate you from things that you need to be separated from. And I want you to think about this too. Their enemies were trying to chase them. How many of you guys, when you got saved, you were born again and you knew you were different, but your past was trying to chase you down? It was trying to follow you. You know it. It happened to me too. God had to really do a work in my life in the early years, in the late 90s for me, because there were so many things that I had been in bondage to, and God had to help me get out of all that. But I'm going to tell you, that when that water closed behind Israel, it destroyed their enemies that were chasing them. There's a great protection in warfare. I'm telling you, these things carry a lot of weight in the spirit realm. With heaven's kingdom, but also hell's kingdom, they have to recognize when we take the Lord's Supper and we come under the blood of the Lamb, you know that demonic forces see that. It, ha it has power of protection in the same way water baptism. There's some kind of what Hebrews says, your body's washed with pure water. There's something that purifies and there's something that seals us off. There's an added level of protection. I believe there's a deep consecration that's happening in all of us. Just like I said before, the priest... Were water immersed, anointed, and under the blood, they had to be consecrated for their priestly service. And I remember during the Brownsville revival, all these people were getting saved, all these lost people. And, you know, Brother Kilpatrick said this. He said that there was a marked, hear what I'm saying, there was a marked difference in the people that had gotten water baptized apart from those that didn't. He said the ones that got water baptized, he said he, it seemed like that they were more stable in their Christian walk and they were walking in more victory and that they were more protected, that they were doing better than those that didn't. 
I want you to think about some things in Scripture. When Naaman the leper went to see Elisha, Elisha told him, just go dip in the Jordan seven times. Elisha could have done anything, but he felt that God wanted him to tell Naaman, go dip. There was something about Naaman doing a self-immersion seven times that brought healing in his life. Jesus, remember that? He spent and put mud on somebody's eyes, but what did he tell him? Go wash in the Jordan. There was something about that, and there was healing. I, I think about the pool where the angels stirred the waters. And the first person in, there was healing. You know, Dick, Dick Rubin said this. He said, the best time to pray for the baptism in the Holy Ghost is after somebody's been water baptized. It seems to open them up. And he was using the scripture about Jesus when he was water immersed and came up, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove from heaven. And as I said earlier, water baptism seems to destroy your pursuing enemies. We've seen, my wife and I have water immersed many people down through the years, and I'm telling you that we have seen people that were so overcome with the presence of God that we had to help them. Others reported being healed, inner healing, physical healings, and also people have been delivered from things. Things that were tormenting them, they were delivered in the waters of baptism. There is a death and burial of the old man it's like putting off the old and there's a resurrection into the new. Isn't it interesting that even to this day in the Jewish culture that a bride will mikveh, which is a self-water immersion before getting married. Isn't it something that I believe that God is calling the church back to this deep priestly cleansing where we're not only reverencing the communion table and being anointed with oil, but we're being water immersed to deeply consecrate us to meet him in the air as a bride that is ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And also Christ washed the disciples' feet. Now I'm going to say something, I'm going to close with this. I thought this was really interesting when I studied it out because see, in the Hebrew culture, they understood water immersion. They understood that you self-immerse, you consecrate your life. And all this concept of water immersion was very common in this culture. And so every time there was something like Passover coming up and all the men had to go to Jerusalem, they still have these there in Israel to this day. There was all these pools of water called a mikveh pool where people would go and they would here's what they were doing they were about to go worship the lord at passover for example and they went to the temple to take their passover lamb or whatever and they were going to self-immerse to consecrate themselves for passover for what was going on so understand that all the disciples that were with jesus would have done this and Jesus now has the disciples with him. Now it's Passover. It, it would have been um, a Tuesday evening this year. And he, has, he celebrates Passover. He has the Seder. Everything's there. His disciples are there. Others are there. And Jesus is celebrating Passover with them. But it's interesting to me that during this time, Jesus takes off his outer garment and he begins to wash their feet. Now understand that during Passover one of the earlier things that's done is your hands are washed and i'm talking about like a spiritual washing okay isn't it interesting now that jesus is washing their feet and he says to be a servant but there was more to it than just him being a servant there was something going on let me tell you why 
Jesus knew that he was now moving into his priestly office. He had been walking the earth like a prophet in the order of an, like an Elijah with signs and wonders. Now he was moving into a deep priestly role where he was going to be the lamb that's offered. He was going to be the great high priest that officiates all this, his own offering, mind you. And then one day when he comes, he's coming as the king of all kings. So you have the prophet, priest, and king. And he ever lives to make intercession. So he's in this priestly function right now. But Jesus in this priestly role, the disciples had already self-immersed. And at the beginning of the meal, they had already washed their hands spiritually. Jesus was washing their feet. Here's what's interesting to me about that. Because if you study it, you see that before the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he had to immerse, self-immerse in water, and he had to wash his hands and his feet. Then he could go into the Holy of Holies. Here's what I believe what was going on spiritually. Because Jesus referenced, he said that he was making them clean. He says, word made. here's what I believe what was happening I believe Jesus knew that he was in a priestly role and that they were about to have their Holy of Holies encounter on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus was simply cleansing their hands and their feet, so to speak, to get them ready to go into their Holy of Holies Pentecostal experience in the fire of God. So there is something to this. There is something about the communion table. Unfortunately, I think that it has been lost down through the ages. I think a lot of times communion is made into something that's just a dead religious ritual how many knows that every group of believers everywhere all over the world they all have their little group and the way they do things and everybody falls we tend to do this if we're not careful we think the way that we do it is the right way so the way everybody else does it is the wrong way and so it varies because this group does it this way this one does it a totally different way and they're all right mind you and everybody else is wrong right and so there's been a lot of, of loss of the power of the communion table because it's made into a dead religious ritual. Same way with anointing with oil. If you can even find a place that still anoints people with oil and prays for the sick, that'd be a miracle in and of itself. But same thing. It becomes just a dead religious ritual. How many knows there's power in what we're doing? There's power in it. And the same thing with water immersion. It's made into something where, you know, somebody accepts the Lord. It's, it, they view it as a once-in-a-lifetime thing, even though the Bible doesn't say that. And everybody's going to come now. They're going to take pictures. And it's this little religious ritual, and it's downplayed. They say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. You're just following Jesus' example. So here they come. They're dunk. They're wet. They go home. Nothing happens, really. It's not anything powerful. But there should be power in it. That's the difference. That's the difference between the stories I was telling you where people were healed of things, separated from things, delivered from things. When we do it with faith and the power of the Holy Ghost, there is an awesome power in it that changes people's lives forever. We've got to get out of a dead religious ritual and into the power of God, being led by the Spirit. So what I want to do is, if we could, we can play some worship. And here's what I want to do. I want us to get focused on the Lord and just begin.